which is the trap that he's laying. Because you're gonna, he's gonna say, "Where are you in this parable?" Uh, and it's you're gonna be have to find yourself finally uh, hearing his voice saying, "I'm one of the ones who came to this party at this place looking for my own honor and glory." What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. Yet again, the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus in the law. And what better place to trap him in the law than where societal rules and norms are most scrutinized? A dinner party. Jesus flips the script on the Pharisees by telling them a parable about a wedding banquet that shines a spotlight on how their behavior at the very dinner party they invited Jesus to is firmly self-serving and ultimately sinful. You're going to want to hear how Lars Olson breaks down meal practices and lifts up Jesus's forgiving word. But first, here's Luke chapter 14 verses 1 and 7 through 14. On one occasion when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor, in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, Go and sit down at the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, in case they may invite you in return, and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Lars Olson with us this week. Thanks for being here, Lars. You are very welcome, Mason. It's always a pleasure to be here with you guys. So, Lars, uh, prior to beginning, you just you said that this text was about unjust meal practices, and that was the the summation of the whole text. Or... Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a good joke there, Adam. Uh, we were discussing how this text uh, could be taken as Jesus' instructions on how to have a uh, a, a proper, righteous, heavenly banquet, right? Uh, and that yum, he could yum. be taken to be um, confronting unjust meal practices in the uh, in the first century and and putting these right. But that's actually not really what this is uh, all about at all as the uh, 
he's been invited to dinner uh-huh. and uh, it has not even really for the purpose of dinner, but it is for the purpose of judging him as uh, what the Pharisees are after. Well, then we're going to have to dig in because when Mason just read, all I heard was law in the meal practice, law in the meal practice, law in the meal practice, yeah. everything. Well, you can think of uh, how many laws are connected to our meal practices. That they're all over them, all yeah. over the place, right? Yeah. Uh, health codes, um, how you wash your pots and pans, um, uh, how you cook. personally elbows on the table, elbows on the table you know, or not? No this is so, social Pull meal practices, right? Yeah. One of the yeah. uh, like childhood books says, "What's it? What do they say? Um, good behavior starts at the dinner table." That's right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And and, yeah. and that's true. actually what's going on here. I mean, uh, you guys have been to weddings. You've planned some weddings. You know how these work. Uh, where people sit matters. Yep. Uh, what you serve matters. What you're wearing matters. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything matters when it comes mm-hmm. down to uh, meal practices. And it's not just the meal that's being uh, that he's being invited to, but it's also a meal on the Sabbath, which uh, you know just brings the the level of uh, of. Um, law, the level of regulation way up, right? Mm-hmm. So there's tons of regulations around meals and how we're supposed to eat and what all that goes goes into that. But also then, of course, the Sabbath is the big law mm-hmm. uh, where God told you to rest. And we all hate t- to take a rest for the day, right? Uh, so you even have to make sure that slaves get rest and dogs get rest and you know, you're not supposed to do anything to make sure that you're keeping the law just But even perfectly. that is the law. <laughs> that is the law, right? Mm-hmm. But like even that, you're breaking the law and working to keep the law. Exactly. You can't stop breaking yeah. the law, right? It's like it's uh, bad. Some, somebody arrest Kiri quickly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you wouldn't be the first to try <laughs> and fail. <laughs> yeah, but there, and so you can see why the Pharisees brought him in on this Sabbath uh, for this meal in order to watch him closely, and and they're going to be watching very, very closely to see uh, does he do it right. Uh, is he acceptable? Is he going to fit their social patterns? Um, is he going to um, follow the law just right? Because, of course, that's what Pharisees are after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, the Pharisee movement, oftentimes they get the, the the moniker of the bad guys in the gospel. And they're actually not bad guys. It's not like they're uh, criminals. Mm-hmm. They actually think that um, uh, they need some social reform. And so getting back to following the law really well is going to help everybody out and it's going to make them acceptable to God. Mm-hmm. This is, of course, um, why they are so insistent on Jesus following uh, all the regulations and are always testing him to see if they're going to do it. Um, unfortunately, it also why it's also why uh, Jesus gets into conflict with them all the time because Jesus has come to fulfill the law, to put it behind us. Mm-hmm. Not to keep it in front of us that it's something for us to do. Um, they want to keep the power of the law. They want to keep the power of the law because it makes us good to one another, right? It makes us uh, helpful. It makes us uh, ex- socially acceptable, which is what this text is really going to be about. Mm-hmm. So they invited him to a meal on the Sabbath. And then I just love the line where it says they were watching him closely. <laughs> like, right. what a creeper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they were eating a meal on the Sabbath. The Pharisees. And Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, great. Thanks, Lars. <laughs> <laughs> well, they invited him for that reason, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. in order to watch him. So, closely. but they're breaking, but that's what's funny is like, well, you have to eat. Uh, it's not, it's not like, uh, 
you know, you have to fast. Well, for their the, slaves the are slaving away, preparing yeah, for the well, meal. You uh, uh, you usually would prepare uh, the day before so that you could rest on that day and do mm-hmm. as little work as is humanly possible. But yeah. of course, even doing that little bit of work or even breathing is taking some effort, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can't ever get down to having the law behind you until? Christ. Well, until you're dead. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then Christ raises you up, which yeah. is also going to be the nice. end of this text. <laughs> So um, we go from verse one to verse seven. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. And so he, he's observing them. Yeah. Uh, they come to they watch him. They were watching him, him closely, <laughs> but then Jesus is like, I'm noticing what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, this is actually like kind of flipping the dinner table around on them, right? Like they came to, they invited him and now he's watching how they act. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how is it that they act? Well, um, everybody's clamoring for a place of honor. Everybody's trying to find the pecking order and, and put their, themselves forward into a good place. Everybody shows up at the dinner party well-dressed in order to get noticed, right? Yeah. Um, and so it becomes a, uh, what he sees there is he sees uh, the, the meal, which is not just about eating, but it's also just about the social order and, and what is acceptable to one another in the world. So he tells them a parable. Obviously, all good stories start with it's a not parable. A, so this is not a direct reflection of what's actually happening at this this dinner with Jesus and the Pharisees, but he tells them a parable. Yeah, you know, he uses the word parable, but Luke uses the word parable fairly loosely. Uh, so sometimes a parable of the Good Samaritan or a parable of the, of the prodigal son. Uh, but sometimes a parable for Luke is just some advice and teaching. And that's uh, more of what he sees going on here. So he's not actually telling them like a, a story or a um, some sort of a, um, a, a object lesson, um, but rather it's a parable. And that the term parable is really important because Jesus says the reason he speaks in parables is so that people will not hear what he's saying. Mm-hmm. He's, he speaks in order to close their ears. And so what he's going to be talking about here is... Uh, not meant to uh, give us great insight, but it is meant to uh, shut down um, all of our ears so finally we only hear him. Hmm. To shut down all of our thoughts and ideas, Yet which is what he buries the gospel in the parables. Yes, but you can only hear the gospel in the parables uh, f- as, as, as long as you see him in the parable rather than okay. your own ideas of what's mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. And so he's trapping now the Pharisees in their own uh, dinner party, right? Uh, <laughs> saying this is exactly what we said. You came here to watch me, but I'm going to trap you now in what I see happening with you. Well, isn't okay. that ironic that we always hear parables trying to figure out how to live our life better? Right. Like, what is the lesson that we're supposed to take away from this so that way I can be more righteous? This Where is how I'm supposed to be. Where do you see yourself in this parable, mm-hmm. right? Which is the trap that he's laying. Because you're gonna, he's going to say, where are you in this parable? Uh, and it's, you're going to have to find yourself finally uh, hearing his voice saying, I'm one of the ones who came to this party at this place looking for my own honor and glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, verse eight, when you're invited to someone or by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been given, has been invited by your host. That'll put uh, you in your place. 
It seems like decent advice. Or it's it good advice. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. If I'm uh, invited to Kiri's wedding and I'm, I just go sit down at the head table right next to right. her, it might be a little bit. Hey, you know to, we would have let you. This would be poor form, right? Yeah. Which is his point. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's good advice. Uh, it's good advice to live by. I think that you should follow social conventions and norms. You just shouldn't uh, probably think that this is going to make you um, uh, any better than anybody else in the room. Any better at the law. Yeah, I mean, you might be better at law at the law than others. That's okay to be better at the law than others. It's just not finally going to make the world work for us, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's talking about a wedding banquet, and of course, uh, every time you see the term like a wedding banquet, you you have to be thinking of Jesus' other parables where he's talking about the feast that God is trying to throw the the Um, celebration that that God is that God's kingdom is coming into the earth that it is uh, a chance to have uh, all of the flowing milk and honey of the uh, of the promised land, all of the joy and celebration that comes from having uh, God be your God. And so he's bringing up this wedding banquet, but it's also functioning in another way, saying, uh, look, when you go to a wedding banquet, do you do what Mason was just talking about? Show up and just sit at the at the head table and say, I'm here, I'm arrived, the party is now beginning. What up? Right. No, you're not that dumb. Uh, you're not that stupid. You don't realize that would look really weird and you uh, look for your place of honor. Well, of course, a wedding is a perfect place to talk about this because what happens at a wedding is you show up and you find your name on the chart uh, mm-hmm. and then you look at uh, on the next chart and you find uh, the number of the table you're supposed to sit at and then you start uh, uh, calculating the distance between <laughs> your table and the head table and realizing where in the pecking order you begin, you 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 belong. That's right. And that's, <laughs> you know, the further away you are from the order, the smaller your gift has that's to be. That's not and that's how, how it, it works. That's smaller why we don't tell the seating chart until you get there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the but when you show up at the reception now, now you get a, a, a physical reminder of how close you that's are right. to the couple. Adam and I are just back of the room people, you know? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, uh, that might be more a reflection on how you guys party. Uh, that you're in trouble and they want to keep you as far away from everybody else as possible. But this is what he's saying. So so people walk in and want to sit at the head table. They want to put themselves forward. They want to have their glory shown to everybody. And that's going to be really embarrassing if you well, get yeah, the wrong then, spot. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. Yeah. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm sorry, Mason, I just found it at the table. So this happened at my wedding. Um, <laughs> but at the ceremony, someone, one of our ushers seated someone in like row six. And one of my family members walked up to them and was like, you need to move. I was so embarrassed. Wow. I found out after. You were embarrassed. I was Not so, the person. I was so, I was sure. like, leave them alone. It then wasn't their fault. Disgrace. They were guided. No, the, uh, ushers. the ushers should have been flogged. That's, uh, yeah. that's the social way to do it. And no, but it is disgraceful to say uh, you're going to have to move seats, right? Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to ch- put you out, and think of the domino effect. If you didn't, uh, if you if you were in like the third spot and you had to move down to the fifth, well, everybody has to move down a spot. Um, so instead of doing that, they just send you to the back Lowest. of the line, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, uh, off yeah. you go, uh, yeah. shuttled to the to the end. Uh, you thought you were gonna be something. Now we're yeah. gonna show you that you're nothing. And by putting like, yourself up there, you become less. Yeah, and as you said, it's uh, it's 
physical too. Like you're moving from physically moving. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like it's kinesthetic, right? Yeah. Like you're moving yeah. in the direction of how much you are respected. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, lower, let's, let's go home. Lower, lower. Well, and then it kind of turns it around and it says, but when you are invited, go and sit at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. Yeah. Which honestly, I don't disagree with because then you ex- you set your expectations really low and they can only... <laughs> right. You can only go up from exceeded. the bottom, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. this, is, this, is, uh, this is the Misery Loves Company uh, <laughs> yep. plan. Uh, just think of yourself as pawn scum and somebody might call you a toad, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, nice. Just moving up uh, <laughs> little by little by your karma, right? Well, this is the problem actually, Kiri, that, that Jesus is, is speaking about. It's not just about um, making yourself lowly so that somebody would take pity on you yeah. and say, you're not quite as bad as you think you are. Yeah, because even then you're trying to play the game. You're playing the game. Yeah. I love yeah. playing games. Uh, <laughs> we all love playing the game. And, yeah. and, and, uh, and people play this game, right? Mm-hmm. Adam, will, they'll say, oh, I'm not good enough at anything. <laughs> Just so that somebody can say, yeah. you're really yes, not you that are. bad. Yeah. Uh, you're, yeah. you're really good and talented. Uh, and uh, you know, I accept you just as you are, and you're not as bad. Think of what I have to say. This is not <laughs> what Jesus is uh, yeah. talking. This is how we play the, the worldly game of finding glory and honor for ourselves, right? And so uh, what Jesus is talking about is showing up to the dinner party and not thinking you're the life of the party, you're, you're everybody's uh, uh, goal, but rather saying, show up at the party and recognize who you are and, and where you need to be. Mm-hmm. But this is what he's seeing them doing, right? Mm-hmm. He's seeing them all uh, clamoring, climbing over one another to see who's going to be in the best spots. Yeah. And he's pointing out that that's the problem. Here. It's incredible but, um, how human this is too, because this is written 2,000 years ago or happens 2,000. And I mean, you can just as well imagine this happening today, exactly how Christ is, well, is putting in, it. Exactly, in yeah. both ways. Not yeah. only are they clamoring for the, the best spot, but people are also going to clamor for the worst spot if they if they read this and think that's oh my gosh this is Jesus is what he's telling us how to do this then yeah. like of course we're all just going to clamor for the last spot then in order to be righteous I would say that it's probably even more important in the in the uh, in these times for people because they didn't have other avenues to find kind of acceptance in the world right mm-hmm. so they didn't they couldn't go on Facebook and put their pictures and get likes from everybody uh, so what happens um, in the community at these parties would be really really important for your social status in the world uh, mm-hmm. this is like sometimes this happens at congregations where you know, there's lots of business people in the congregation, uh, financial advisors or lawyers or something like this. And uh, so uh, what ends up happening is where the doctors go to church is where more doctors show up, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're making those those connections. And so uh, doctors and lawyers and financial advisors all kind of congregate into, a, into a, a congregations together because that's their community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're sometimes they're even using that to drive business mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> into their business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it becomes really important where your social standing yeah. uh, happens. So, um, but yes, he is talking about then if you uh, humble yourself, then your host could pick you up and, and lift you in. But it's part of that game, that part of that, that game of being uh, seen socially for your own glory. So what does it mean to when he says, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled. What right. does it mean when you say exalt yourself? To lift yourself up, uh, to, uh, to put yourself up on the, on the top of the mountain, right? To exalt yourself is to think really highly of yourself, to, uh, um, to, 
Put yourself on a pedestal. Put yourself on a pedestal, yeah. Okay. And to humble yourself, of course, is to make yourself lowly. But true humility, we know, is not simply saying, I'm as, I'm worse than I think I am, right? I mean, it's true humility is actually just knowing the truth about yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not having to put yourself lower. That's a false humility, right? Yeah. Humility yeah. is actually just being comfortable in who you are. And that's what Jesus is really getting after. Everybody's cl- at this party is clamoring to be a better and better Pharisee because that's what it means to live according to the law, to mm-hmm. be put on a ladder or stairs and to get better and better and to always be climbing. But to be humble is just to be knowing that you are you mm-hmm. and that you're a sinner. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Not to be moving up or down on the scale. Mm-hmm. That's important to point out too because... You, we hear in, in, in the, a lot of these scripture passages that the poor are going to be righteous mm-hmm. or that it's, it's an honorable thing in order to, to be lowly. Sure. And so it's important that you say that, no, being humble actually is just being comfortable with who you are. Yeah. I mean, look how Jesus points out that uh, what he sees is they're all picking the best spot. They're choosing their, their, the spots of honor. And that's the same word that is used for Jesus choosing his disciples or choosing you. Uh, they're mm. picking the most honorable places, but what did Jesus choose in the world? Yeah, uh, I guarantee you this. Yes. Uh, <laughs> he did not choose the disciples because they were the best and they were going to be the most helpful to him. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. Chose, he chose them. Sinners that's who messed up. That's the important up. part, right? Mm-hmm. That his choosing was doing that. But he's not choosing you, Mason, because you're the most glorious. And you, Adam, because you're the most sparkly. And, and you, Kiri, because, you know... Uh, <laughs> you can't even think of anything. <laughs> uh, because you are the grandest of the grand. Whatever. Uh, he's, he's choosing sinners. That's what, what he's doing, right? Uh, and so when, we're ta- when he gets down to the next part, he actually picks out the host, the one who invited him. And now he starts challenging and poking at him, right? Saying, look what you've done. You've invited your friends and your relatives and those who can help you. And who have you not invited? The poor and the lame and the cripple Mm -hmm. who can't repay you. Mm -hmm. So what are you actually doing when you're throwing these parties? Scratching your own back. Yeah, this is the trap that he set, right? This is what finally they're going to have to see, that what you did was invited people who could pay you back. So they're having an exchange here. Mm -hmm. Uh, you're giving them something so that later they'll give something to you. And that, mm-hmm. might, be, that might be a dinner party. That might be a social acceptance. That might be business down the road. Who knows what's going on? But we're always seeming to be exchanging with people. Um, and to, to break out of that cycle is then to see people not as uh, um, valuable, mm-hmm. which is a really weird way to put it, all right? So we stop seeing people as value and we start seeing them as people. We stop looking at saying, what value you are you to me? And we just say, you know what? <laughs> You're a person. Yeah. Instead of a, instead of a dollar Or sign. instead of some utility for you. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so finally now to be humbled is to start looking around and saying, uh, the only worth you have is the worth that God gives to you. And mm-hmm. that is his promise to you. So now we're starting to break, Jesus is starting to break away from uh, the law, which is always going to ask you, how valuable are you? And starting now to talk about what it means to have a promise from God that makes you not valuable, but mm-hmm. uh, 
of infinite worth to God, right? Mm-hmm. Of unestimable worth, of uh, some, so valuable that you can't purchase it or buy it. Mm-hmm. It's now given as a gift to you. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus is after um, with, with uh, these Pharisees, is to say not that you can earn or repay one another, but to start realizing that um, what Jesus does for you, what God gives to you, is not something you can repay God for. It's not an exchange with God. We want to always be exchanging with God and God is saying, mm-hmm. no, I'm going to give you all of this. I'm going to give you the kingdom. I'm giving you righteousness. I'm giving you righteousness. <laughs> exactly. I'm giving you resurrection. How do you pay God back for the resurrection from the dead? You don't. You die. There is nothing you can give for it. Instead, it, right now it comes to us by faith. His word is given. Our ears hear it. We trust it and believe it without giving anything back to God. Jesus is here destroying the power of the world by simply reminding us that uh, um, we don't care for the poor in order to get a reward. Rather, we are blessed, it says, uh, you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. That's the blessing. It's not a future blessing. It's a blessing that you care for people, even the poor who cannot repay you. Mm -hmm. Because now you're stopping the cycle. God is interrupting the way of this, of this world and you no longer see the poor as something you can get, a, uh, get a, um, an exchange from. I help the poor so I can get something good. Now, rather, they, there is no repayment for this. God didn't help the, the sinners in order to get something from us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, no, that is the blessing to be broken out of the cycle that everything is an exchange, that everything we do has to be repaid. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Lars Olson for teaching us what Jesus meant in breaking down what was happening at the dinner party with the Pharisees. The Pharisees, like us, see people for what they can give us. We invite those who can pay us back. But God sees you for the priceless gift he's given you. His promise. There's nothing you can do to repay Jesus' resurrection and the righteousness we have because of Him. God forgives our sin and gives us faith. Now we can trust and believe without worrying how to repay it. Luther House of Studies' mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals, as well as members of the church, without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send Sarah Stenson an email at sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. That's sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. You can find her email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, sit at your place of honor as God's chosen. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.